Welcome to the show, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. Recording a little early today, kind of your Sunday afternoon. But this is our first show of 2023, and we're really excited because of the giant news bombshell that Andretti and General Motors dropped, and we're going to talk all about that and probably a few more topics, but I want to introduce my panel of experts, as I called it on our tweet today, because I got Bob Varsha, I got Chris Medlin, and ex-Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill. Start with you, Bob. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks, John. Happy New Year. I hope your holidays were great. Um, and as you point out, it's great to start the year with a major news story, and that's what I'd say this Andretti Cadillac link up for Formula One certainly is. Mr. Medlin, you think it's a, a pretty good story over there across the pond? Oh, I think it's a pretty big story for anyone in Formula One, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, there's not many stories that would have me thinking, yeah, first Sunday of uh, January that I'm free. I, I want to come and talk about it. But I genuinely did when you uh, gave me the call. It was, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a fun one to get our teeth stuck into. Yeah. And Mr. O'Neill, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, and uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, yeah, I think it's a great story. Um, we, uh, it'd be nice to see how it evolves, and um, you know, also all the uh, intricate detail that goes with a story like this. Um, you know, the headline's one thing, but the, uh, the, the uh, process is another, making sure that you do get in, you know, to the championship. Well, uh, a bit of deja vu for you. You, I guess, uh, you, you've lived this before, haven't you, with Haas? Well, I lived it twice, actually, <laughs> um, with Mar Russia, uh, well, Virgin, as it was then, and then and then Haas, yeah. So, um, very interesting, exciting times, and also fantastic. Um, it, it's almost a perfect storm with how popular F1 is in, um, in the States now, and con considering... Uh, how fast it's growing here. I think it's fantastic for the U.S. Well, let's get into a little bit Agreed. of the nuts and bolts of this, because if you've been living under a rock, what happened was on Thursday, we uh, we woke up to a, uh, I said woke up, it was about 9 a.m. Austin time, a an announcement from Andretti that they had teamed up with General Motors and Cadillac to further along their efforts to get a team on the grid to be the 11th team in Formula One, which, as you know, they've been trying for, I mean, it's been a year now since they really have been trying. So we woke up to that news, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And Chris Medlin, you were on the media call with, I guess it was Michael Andretti and GM President Mark Royce as well, right? It was indeed, yeah. And it was uh, an alert came out from both Andretti and GM uh, about two hours before they did the call. And I was just sat exactly where I am right now, uh, working away on my laptop, and this email drops. And I'm like, hmm. Uh, you'd hear little whispers about certain things with the Andretti project and partnerships they were maybe looking into, but nothing concrete at all. So it it, it wasn't um, something I'd been expecting at that time. Uh, and then I thought, this could be anything. This could be a, a way of trying to build some hype so that uh, people are talking about a Formula E entry they're going to do in some sort of partnership or some sponsorship deal in another mm -hmm aspect of racing but the fact it said it was from andretti global made me go andretti global and gm together just feels like it's bigger than that so uh, i made sure i was free to jump on the call and i sort of sat down to listen and they introed michael 
And he wasted no time in straight away saying about what they're trying to do in Formula One, uh, how they're trying to get in, and that they're going to partner with GM. And then, uh, yeah, Mark Royce came on and said that it would be under the Cadillac brand. So uh, it was within about 60 seconds of the call kind of starting. <laughs> they were like, boom, here it is. And uh, you could see on the sort of list of people that were on it, you had a great mix of uh, US media, whether they were um, sort of automotive media, racing media, but also then you had uh, sort of global Formula One media as well and could tell that they'd, uh, they'd set it up nicely to get everyone talking about it. And the perfect time to do it, because we're sat here, as you guys just pointed out, first show of the new year and what better thing than to have a huge storyline to get stuck into rather than a kind of only talk about how everyone's Christmas was so uh, yeah they, they've timed it very well should we read anything do you think Chris into the fact that Mark Royce the head of GM was on that uh, on that call but absent was Jim Campbell who was the head of GM racing I think I have that title correctly um, now maybe he's you know confined to the United States, but, um, you know, it, there weren't a lot of racing people involved. Uh, well, I suppose if we're honest, we should note that Cadillac is not going to take the V8 out of the <laughs> Blackwing and stick it in the back of a Formula One car. This will no. be a, a naming rights thing for a while using an existing uh, power unit set up. But um, it's great that, uh, that, that GM is considering exploring that technology and seeing if they can come up with something uh, innovative and different and effective absolutely and, and i think the whole um fact that mark was on it kind of speaks to how big a deal it is it was mm -hmm. that gm have never entered like you know officially entered formula one in this way um so it was a, a huge deal for the brand and, and that's what mark wanted to push as well and uh he was clearly very enthused to be partnering with andretti you know he's a huge fan of of the team and of, of mario so uh, he kind of wanted to put that across as well it kind of shows just how uh, invested and involved and committed GM is as an overall brand and that's exactly what Andretti needed as well because they needed the full weight of the manufacturer being made clear so that when they do go to Formula One or go to the FIA and try and uh, get themselves a spot on the grid it it becomes the, an easier decision really or, or kind of adds to that um, kind of project that they're putting together it really just adds the weight to it because it's not just a, oh yeah it's just the racing side of things are kind of putting their name to it and that's it it's the GM brand are fully behind it. Mm. Hey, I heard then, Chris, maybe this was on that call, but that Andretti was the one who initiated this conversation with GM, but Mark Royce said that that not only did the discussion start several months ago, but they had already been talking about it internally at GM about getting involved in Formula One. Yeah, thanks for actually you flagging that up because that was my question to Mark Royce. Um, just oh, towards it was? the call. <laughs> nice. It was, yeah. I, I asked him, I said, you know, had it been something you'd been looking at already? Um, or was it the Andretti project that piqued your interest? And his response was kind of like, well, the, the timeline would be kind of the qualifying factor here because as a company, we've been looking at F1 for years, decades. We've you know, always been interested, um, always thought it would be an amazing thing to be involved in, but the timing was never right. Either it was impossible to get in. Uh, or it, it was that you know the global situation meant we, you couldn't afford to or you couldn't be seen to, um, there wasn't a partner, whatever it was, it just never had the timing that, where it all came together. And then, yeah, said that uh, Michael reached out about five months ago um, and kind of said we'd be interested in doing something with you if you would be, uh, and it went quite quickly from there. And, and clearly Mark was saying that you know, we were fully on board, we were fully keen to have something like this if the opportunity ever came up, and, and Michael laid it out that it was the perfect time. You know, let's think back yeah. just a little bit because, you know, when Michael started this whole process, uh, I think 
I think even he would say maybe he could have done this a little more tactfully or or methodically. But if you're Michael Andretti, I, I can't blame him because he was probably already getting approached or having conversations with people like GM and and uh, Guggenheim, the money guys, and Gamebridge. And, and he already knew that he could bring all of that, all of those – all the resources that all of those kinds of companies bring, whether it's money or expertise, he's probably getting approached by uh, – I mean, all he had to do was just breathe that he was interested in this, and virtually any American sponsor would be, you know, express interest. And he knew that he could bring everything that the F1, that FIA could ever want, and so I can't blame him for being a little arrogant probably. But now, with in my opinion – with what he's done with Jim, he has literally checked every single box, and he did it with a yeah. sledgehammer. I mean, GM, just coincidentally, like I think it was days before, retook over the lead as the largest manufacturer, uh, automotive manufacturer in the United States. He took that back, that title back from Toyota. You know, GM had it for 100 years, damn near, but um, right. they took it back. And so Andretti walks in going, okay, you, you, want, uh, you want a manufacturer involved? How about the largest manufacturer in North America? <laughs> you know, so he's he, – it's, it's just really I, – I think the discussions at some point going to come to this is like how can they say no? Well, so well yeah, asked, I think – go ahead. I was going to say that um, I've been asked that question by a few people, and it wouldn't be a case of saying no. If, that, if, if there was a no that came to this project in future – I'm pretty certain. I mean, it's not. It won't be a case of saying no to Andretti and Cadillac and to GM. It will be because there's something even bigger, somehow that we just don't know about yet. That then does come in. Um, yeah. And Formula One itself has made it very clear that they've been having discussions with lots of interested parties, just not publicly. Uh, and that's what I think's annoyed them a bit about the Andretti story is that um, the more noise that's been made about it, and as you say, as we talk about it, it. it all seems to make sense and would be great for Formula One, certainly in the States, but just generally, you know, great brands to get involved. Um, you kind of go, well, why not? What What's their issue here? But they've got something a lot more delicate to kind of tread with. They've got to keep the existing teams happy. They've got to make sure that financially it makes sense for them. Uh, but also if there are other big brands looking to come in, for example, if we didn't know about Andretti and GM and they're doing this behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but there was another team making a lot of noise that seemed to make sense, you'd, you'd not want to upset or scare off GM and Andretti, would you? So they've got to try and keep everyone happy at this stage because we still haven't actually opened up the process. <laughs> they can't right. officially apply yet. So <laughs> yeah. uh, they've got to keep everyone on side. Yeah. And I think we have to, we, we, we can't be naive about this. We have to, we can't see it in isolation, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Everybody, every corporate entity, every automaker, I, I guarantee you is looking at the new, explosive popularity of Formula One. Even if, if they don't have a prayer of getting involved, they, I'm sure they're looking at it and measuring it up and seeing, you know, is this something we could somehow get involved in? And the same goes for sponsorship. You know, any company uh, worth its salt must understand that Formula One remains the, the greatest marketing platform on the planet. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a waste and get involved. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have lots more discussion about this Andretti uh, GM Cadillac situation. Listen to Speed City. Back after these messages. All right, we're going to stay live on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, I want to say hi to the folks there. Uh, Joe of Oyster Bay says, "Sitting here 
in my new Speed City hat and enjoying the show. He said, thank you, guys. Yeah, Joe, you are quite welcome. I sent a couple of those hats out over the holidays to some of the folks. A fellow that... Long Islander. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Northport, New York. Nice. Kind of down market from Oyster Bay. <laughs> Andy P's with us. Like, as usual, he says, afternoon, guys. Nothing like some great news to chew on on a Sunday afternoon. He says, Andretti playing hardball with the F1 teams. They went out and and then went out and got a heavy bat. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Go for the 44-ounce. O'Neill said he's going to restart his computer during the break here so he can get his uh, camera working. Should we wait until we're back uh, on radio before we talk about that other American car-making giant that we're hearing rumblings about? Yeah, let's do. Let's wait because that it's okay. I mean, why not? There's, this is no. Joe says he's just west of Seattle, Bob. It's a long way from Oyster Bay. <laughs> <laughs> How's the weather? It's incredible what's going on out in the west. Yeah. Well, Chris, I I like you was stunned by this news. I I mean, I don't think. We ever, I mean, we talked about every possible configuration, and this never entered our our conversation, I don't think, <laughs> ever. No, I mean, there's a lot that hasn't, isn't there? There's, it's, I think it's the fact now that we're really kind of having to accept that Formula 1 has got so big over the last 24 months, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. that, that every entity is, is really paying attention and seriously looking at it. Uh, and there must have been so many discussions. I'd love at some time Michael to come out and say exactly the number of talks he's had yeah. with different <laughs> potential partners Here we and manufacturers. Go. It'd be incredible. Yeah. Coming back. All right, welcome back. I want to... I want to talk about something you just led into, Chris, and that is the possible other teams or entities that wanted that are the that could be vying for this eleventh slot, because there have been a couple of rumors. And I'll be honest, I started digging a little earlier last night and this morning, and I really there was only one or two names. Chris, do you know of any uh, any names that have been bantered about? Uh, not as a new team, no um there's been talks of other uh big name brands maybe looking to get involved with formula one um and a lot of it revolves I think, around red bull and, and what they've been doing um because of what fell through with porsche and we you know talk about what a big deal that would have been and obviously mm-hmm. porsche must still be showing some sort of interest uh to to which degree not too sure <laughs> um but they won't have just then gone cold turkey and said oh you know, no it doesn't work for us anymore they clearly had something that they wanted and couldn't agree with Red Bull. Uh, but also then Red Bull will, will have been talking to other manufacturers too. So there's some some pretty big names on that front, aren't there, that are, that have been uh, banded around. And, and one of those being the probably the biggest name that it could have been, in a sense, uh, in Ford. So <laughs> uh, I think I think we're going to we're gonna hear a lot of stuff like this. And it may well be because a lot of these talks happen. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel like just every brand is going to want to explore the opportunities now sure. within Formula One. Yeah, Bob, mm-hmm. you, you talked think, about Ford. Yeah, and, and we're hearing those rumblings over and over again. And I've reached out to my sources at Ford, and nobody's calling me back because they probably know why I'm calling. But <laughs> having said that, um, 
it's a really exciting prospect. I mean, Ford has a glamorous history in Ford and Formula One. And before we completely blow off Cadillac as the old people's car, um, <laughs> our old friend Statman Sean Kelly was faced with that on Twitter. Somebody said, oh, Cadillac's an old guy's car. What's going on? And Sean replied on Twitter, well, it wasn't that many years ago when another so-called old person's car company, specifically Mercedes-Benz, said they wanted to go Formula One racing. And voila, here we are, 10 years later, a whole bunch of world championships. Yeah, and you know what? I th That person who said that must have been an old person because <laughs> I, a Cadillac, yeah, first of all. He strolled out to his uh, CTSB <laughs> and route down the street exactly the uh since the the first gen ctsv as far as road cars that that's been 20 years and they've made some mm -hmm. unbelievable cars and some of the technology that cadillac has built outside of racing and and then we'll talk about the racing history but for example the magnetic ride that virtually every car manufacturer has it, it, cadillac was the inventor of that in fact they licensed it to ferrari and may still license that technology to Ferrari. And they've perfected that, which gives you the mm -hmm. best of both worlds, a great ride, as well as stunning handling. And Cadillacs makes, makes some amazing road cars. But of and course, they've got three of the new GT prototypes that's going to run in the yeah. 61 car field at the Rolex 24 in a couple of weeks. And they've been there for a while in IMSA with some pretty high pollutant technology. So, you know, Cadillac is not new to the engineering game by any stretch. Yeah. And of course, a deep racing history going back. I mean, mm -hmm. way, way back. I, mean, I think of that crazy looking car that they, they raced in at Le Mans, I think in like the fifties, but, um, well, we got Dave O'Neill back on and I want to, uh, I want to pick your brain, Dave, because, when they were talking about like one of the discussions that Chris and his fellow journalists, when they were on the call with Andretti and Mark Royce, they talked about when this could happen. And it's been a long time in the last year. Michael's always been saying, Oh, we're, we're shooting for 2024, but he backed out of that statement and said, we're going to go when it's right. And I thought that sounds exactly like what was going on at Haas when everybody wanted them to get going in 2015 and they decided to wait till 2016. So you've, you've lived this exact scenario, Dave. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to the, the bare basics, you know, it takes a year to make a truck, um, you know, with the correct design. Um, so, you know, there's a year gone straight away. Um, but also, you know, it's how this, this kind of team's going to be made up, whether they're going to build everything in-house in the States uh, whether they're going to use a subsidiary like, you know, maybe Delara or, you know, Ligier or whoever it is who's got current carbon experience and also can can make the time in, in order to do so. You've got all the crash tests that need to be done. Um, and again, you know, they literally do crash um, a genuine tub. So, you know, you've got your tub, you've got your nose, you've got your rear crash structure. Um, and of course... You know those those bits of technology haven't you know aren't really a work of a moment they've taken years to develop you know you've seen what's happened this year with the new rules um the, the roll hoop having to take um 15g forwards and backwards um that those things you can't pull out of the library book you know you, you have years and years of uh, experience and knowledge for the engineering department have come up with that so anything you think of i.e the cars and the equipment um, 
and and also I hasten to add the staff as well you know anyone with current knowledge in in the engineering side have all got a minimum of a year on their head before they give up so you take that December you know January 2023 January 2024 those guys and girls can start working um, and then you have a year of that process which takes you into 25 all of a sudden 26 is just around the corner really so yeah, yeah. Um, you know and that's if you're well prepared and have and have something um, planned prior to it you know if you said that the start date was on you know may the first type thing um, again you know you've knocked on a few more months yeah so um it's a huge challenge and again i think the um the challenge now is that you know you, you can throw x amount of money at it um and the staff um but how quick can you can you make it happen um and be successful rather than lurking around at the back of the grid you know and Sure as eggs is eggs, that's not what Michael wants to do. He he wants to be up <laughs> right. points in his first race. Um, and his father, I'm sure his father's more passionate about it than him. But he's, <laughs> he'll have him barking at his heels on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. Um, as you said before, I've done it a couple of times. Um, and the, the key to it is where has it all been held? Is it all under one house, one roof? Um, is it done in the States? Now, you know, five years ago, you couldn't do that because there were so many European races. Now there's, you know, there's a handful of European races and, you know, there's, there's loads of races outside Europe. So you could technically house it in the States, um, mm -hmm. but also you don't have the experience of the staff in the States as well. So you'd have to either bring the majority of the staff to the states or you'd have to have um have a home in in the uk or italy you know it depends where you are but you've got the other dimension of cadillac you know what do they do and that's the that's the very interesting bit for me is how how you can get all these dynamics to join together so you know my, my last experience was um with ferrari um um, the UK and, and, and also America, you know, so we had um, a good percentage of the decision making done in the States. Uh, we had the team based in the UK, Banbury, which is, you know, 40, 41 mile triangle between all the seven teams that are there. Um, and then you had Marinello and not only Marinello, you had Delara who made the chassis and we had a, a drawing office in uh, Delara. Um, mm -hmm. And to bring all that together was pretty interesting <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know everyone knew what they were doing so th that's the challenge they have is where they're going to do it where they're going to house it and who's running it all and of course the you know you have you have someone like Gunter that ran everything or was in charge of everything he literally I don't think I think he spent more time in the air than on the ground <laughs> so he'd, he'd be in Kanapolis he'd fly to Oxnard to meet with uh, Gene He'd fly to Italy to Marinello to meet, you know, with Ferrari. Then he'd fly to the drive to, excuse me, to Delara. Then he'd fly to the UK um, and be in a Banbury. So there's there's an awful lot to do. There's an awful lot to be learned from that. And also, if you would do it again, you'd probably reduce the amount of headquarters you had um, from four to two. Um, and then you still have the communication problem. So the challenge is huge. Um, but again, mm -hmm. just need some clever people to come up with some 
some good ideas to put it together and listen to what's happened before, I guess. And, and Chris, they're talking uh, about a UK headquarters in addition to the new giant uh, Andretti headquarters in Indiana, right? Yeah, Michael made it clear that they would say that they are officially headquartered in, in Fishers in Indiana, uh, in that huge new facility that they're currently building, which they've started building yeah. with the with the pretense that it's going to need to house Formula One work. Uh, you know, they've designed it and scaled it with Formula One in mind. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. clear from when they did the groundbreaking that that was still on the cards. But yeah, Andretti obviously do compete in other motorsport series as well, um, outside of IndyCar and, and sports car racing. So over in um, Formula E and Extreme E, and they have a base um, and kind of set up in the UK for some of that already. And Michael said that they would have a big facility. in. He said in Europe, but it was actually in the press release from both that it said it would be split across the US and the UK. Um, where they would then have to do some of the technical work. And uh, as Dave points out, where some of the engineering special um, kind of expertise will be more um, readily attainable because you know some people won't want to move. And, and just the time zones that you then have to deal with, the fact that you know people would love everything to be, I think, housed in the US. But in reality, if you want to be competitive, if everyone else is in Europe and that's where the, the skill set is and that's where um, everything just is closer together, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you don't kind of have a sort of yeah. base or factory there so uh, yeah that's very much the plan but they have hired already they said they've uh, michael said they've hired mm-hmm. a number of engineers uh, already started on that front and even their technical director has already been hired uh, that they'll announce in the near future so there's a lot that they've i guess they've had to do uh, from formula one's part they say it, it can't be before 2026 that, that when they talk about this it has to be 2026 for a new entry uh, now it will be months before even the fia expression of interest plays out yeah. Uh, so as Dave points out, then if you go, if you go from sort of three or four months from now into the middle, you know, right into the middle of this year, then you're not going to get confirmation before really the next, you know, getting close to 12 months from now. Uh, yeah. And then, then when you can push the button on some things, it's, it's going to run away very quickly. So 26 is, is realistic. Um, but that shows exact off the back of everything Dave just said, that if Michael's already hired their technical director and not announced them yet, but they've got them in place three years before they're actually going to <laughs> be targeting and getting a car on track realistically or, or entering. I mean, it shows that the amount of time and effort that is needed and planning that is needed and also shows the risk they've got to take the money they've got to invest before they've even got any, <laughs> any guarantee that they're going to be racing. Yeah. Good point. And, and when Dave was talking about all that, think about how much the, the reliance hosted on Ferrari, you know, there was so mm-hmm. much criticism about this is, this is just a Ferrari junior team. It's almost all Ferrari parts. So there was, <clears throat> They already had a big head start with all that. So I think Andretti GM is going to have to do something similar. Well, guys, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we, uh, I want to get into that process a little bit that Chris was just talking about. So this, uh, that, that the F1 and FIA are going to, to put everybody through to become a team. You listen to Speed City, back after this. All right, we're still live on YouTube, and a couple of people uh, commented about us doing an early show, and uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. I know it was a little bit early, and uh, I'd like to say that the primary motivation to do the early show was so I could get Chris on, but the truth is my wonderful daughter is turning 18, and we're having a party for her tonight, and I said... (laughs) My wife was like, you can't miss this, so... But the... uh, the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever <laughs> happens in motorsports, you're not going to be here. <laughs> uh, but the good news is we get Chris Medlin because he's not asleep. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm great. I'm grateful for it. It's, it's eight thirty. Six hours ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. We falls asleep. Just whack him on that hand that he broke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, guys. One thing uh, at listening to uh, to both uh, uh, Dave and uh, Chris on this subject is, and it jumped out at me in the release from Andretti Cadillac, if we can call him that, was we're going to bring an all-American team to Formula One, and that just set a chill down my spine because we've seen that effort before to be a nationalistic uh, effort. And I think personally, it's a huge mistake because the talent is not confined to any one country in the world. You just gotta go find, I'm sure Dave will back me up on this, go find the best people wherever they come from and you know, put them to work and let them go. Um, yeah, that whole all American thing, it's great. You know, I wanna see the United States up there on the podium, but. You ain't going to get there if you insist that somebody be born within the lower 48. Mm, well, clearly we'll talk about, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about Colton Herta because that's already been talked about. And, and then the rumors, I want to ask you, Chris, when we come back, about this Alonzo rumor that immediately started, and I don't even know where that came from. I don't think it came out of the, uh, the, the media conference that you guys were in, but I started hearing Alonzo's name thrown about immediately, and I thought, well, of course, I just assumed it was the usual social media Twitter stuff, but we'll talk about that. And all right, here we go. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. When we went to break, I said we were going to talk about the process. But before we do that, I want to talk about the driver situation because Vendretti said uh, in all of this, they want to have an American team. Bob, we were, we were talking about during the break, all-American mm -hmm. team. And um, I, I think the more American is great. Look, we got Cadillac and Andretti. I mean, we got a pretty good start on this all-American. And they've announced that Colton Herta is there is going to be in the seat. They said, I think was, we're going to have at least one American in the seat. But Chris, I mean, has there, has there been any discussion beyond that? I heard the crazy rumors of Alonzo already, and I just think that's the internet. But what have you heard? Yeah, I certainly hadn't heard Alonzo. Um, and <laughs> I reckon that's just more people going, he's still racing. He's <laughs> never going to leave. So a new team, he can get involved with that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Col Colton was yeah. named. Um, it, it was asked about... Um, and I did a, a podcast actually with Marshall Pruitt for Racer um, the evening of the news. And we did talk about how uh, Marshall had done a great job of getting the story around Colton when he stayed in IndyCar, you know, when it didn't happen for Formula One. And uh, obviously we'd had on the show, hadn't we, with Helmut Marcus comments, how close Red Bull came to getting him. Um, so when he then stayed in IndyCar, it was kind of a, there's a there was a non-compete in terms of F1 for a couple of years. <laughs> and it then all made sense that if this is really going to happen, uh, and Jetty making sure he's he's theirs and that when they get to F1, if they can get onto the grid, uh, he's the one who gets it. Um, and that's exactly what Michael said. He said that they uh, definitely plan to have an American driver uh, and that Colton's leading the pack and that he's under contract in IndyCar. Um, so he said uh, they definitely want um, the all-American effort to have an American driver alongside it. He didn't say it had to be an all-American lineup, though. So that does leave that second seat open to you know, whoever you want to go for. And I think uh, as David said, and Bob's seen it as well with new teams, quite often a new team wants to go for at least one experienced driver, someone who can really help lead them uh, from both an engineering standpoint, but just kind of learning the ropes about certain things. Um, it, it's one of those uh, headaches you don't have, isn't it, that you, that you have to kind of school a young driver or an inexperienced driver. Mm. Dave, uh, who would be on your list? 
years. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of years down the road. Um, well, I think Ricciardo will have had his, his holiday uh-huh. and his drive across from right. New York to LA. Maybe he will have made it by then and be in a good position. Um, he, he loves the States. Um, I don't know. I mean, they don't need the money, so they don't have to even think about anyone with a with a purse. Um, and of course, if they have the money to buy drivers, you know, the world's your oyster then. Um, so, hmm. I think you're right. I think the obvious one is Ricardo. In fact, somebody on YouTube just commented the same thing. Johnny Spa said the same thing because if you, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right. It's it's really too early to have that conversation. So, uh, well, and let's talk. Want, I mean, experience is valuable, but you want a guy who can communicate as well. And not every experienced driver is. I mean, Nigel Mansell was famous for, or actually KK Rosberg, even more famous at Williams because he didn't care what was on the car. <laughs> Just chuck his cigarette away, get out there and wring its neck. Mansell, to some extent, was that way as well. But you want a an Alan Prost or an Ayrton Senna or somebody who says, okay, it's doing this and here's what I think we need to do to fix it. Yeah. And I think one thing just that we've got to think of as well in this, if the timeline is right, which um, yeah, I'm pretty confident it is in terms of 2026 being the most realistic earliest date to get onto the grid. Ricardo is going to be turning 37 that year. So Sebastian Vettel will be 39. Like those guys are so sad, but I, yeah, I think it would be brilliant if it was right now. Like you'd, you'd be chasing him for mm-hmm. a year or two and saying that if you if you miss it, come and lead this effort. Uh, I'm not sure he would, but I think that would be who you target. Yeah. But but with Daniel, may, maybe still, maybe that timing would still work. Um, either because he gets himself back onto the grid uh, in a year or two, or if he hasn't, but he does have that hunger. Because like, Nico Hulkenberg had what two full years out. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually probably let me down. It's really three, wasn't it? It was 2020, 21 and 22, uh, just with some sub appearances. So, um, yeah, like Daniel could have three years out and then be hungry to come back. So, yeah, I think that's at this very early stage. That's it. That's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's too many things that could happen between now and then for us to see what can, where this could go. So that will be fun to keep I an eye send, on. The guy I would send to find a driver for me would be Colton Hurd's dad, Brian. Because I have a lot of respect for Brian's ability to spot what it takes to be successful. I mean, what he did calling Alexander Rossi's victory at the Indy 500 five years ago, or whenever it was now, was was pretty awesome stuff. And I've had long conversations with Brian, who actually consulted a little bit on my son's driving career, and and I have a lot of respect for his ability to you know to get right to the issue. Well, when I saw Colton Herta in an Indy car for the first time was when he first got in an Indy car here in Austin at Coda. And I was actually outside the media center and I knew he was getting in the car. And so I walked into the media center and I think I was actually walking to the back to get a drink of water or something. And I, I he was doing a lap and I was watching on the big screens and I looked up and boom, he went straight to the top of the times on his first lap and in an Indy car, period. And I was like, whoa, this kid is fast. And, uh, and I know it was just a test, but, the, um, but he clearly uh, was fast. And, 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 you know, this is a really interesting thing. We, we always talk about how drivers moving to different cars, like we talk about Ricardo and Vettel, two great examples, right? They both phenomenal careers. They move to a different team, and it doesn't work right. So 
can Colton go from an Indy car to a, an F1 car and be great? I don't know. No one, we don't know that yet. So it's going to be really Matt Brown seemed to think he could after he tested yeah. in Portugal. Yeah, he did say that, didn't he? He was pretty pleased with yeah. that. Uh, Chris, I want to talk about this process that, and and I, I I have to talk about what happened during the press conference with GM and Andretti, is that Formula One announced, they came right out in the middle of that and and talked about the process. But but let's talk about how this is going to work and how, how long it might possibly take. It could, it could take a very long time. I mean, the main thing that's got to be made clear is that at this point, um, all that's happened is that uh, Mohamed Ben Salem, the FIA president, has come out and said he's asked the FIA to look into opening up or starting the process to allow new teams to try and join. And what the FIA will then do is say, OK, we are inviting expressions of interest, like formal applications from teams to say we would like to join. Con please consider us. And with that, you have to give certain details, which... I'm sure Dave probably has a, a pretty good memory of like some of the paperwork that needed doing and things like that. But um, that that process, they've done it more recently. I want to say about 2017, they did similar and just went, no, there's not, there's nothing that actually fits right now. There's nothing that uh, is a viable project out there. Um, and, and it closes the process at that point And that's it. So um, it will be a, a quite a long period of a couple of months, I think, that will allow people uh, to put together their submissions. And off the back of that, then whenever they if they do effectively close, uh, give a deadline and say, right, after this, no one can apply, then they'll look through the potential candidates and different teams that have said they want to come in. And even then it will come down to, do the FIA believe they could add one, two, three teams? Um, as Dave mentioned, when he was doing it with Virgin Racing, there was four teams that were meant to come in at that point. Only three actually made it at that time, if I remember rightly, with um, USF1 being the one that didn't. Um, <laughs> so it, it was that there was space on the grid then. They wanted to to beef up the numbers. Whereas at this point, we're talking about an 11th team, but could it be that they say we can do two or, or we can do three? Who knows, really? Um, it depends mm -hmm. how much money is out there <laughs> ready to come in. Uh, and and that will be why that could even elongate the process even more. If they say, OK, we're going to open up to three teams, there's going to be procedural stuff that the FIA needs to do, that Formula One needs to do to get ready for an expanded series like that. One team, maybe that can move a bit more quickly. But yeah. um, e even then, we're talking, I, I think, three, four five months before you'd actually get a decision on, okay, yes, we've had reasonable applications. Um, but that will be from the point that they say we're, we're uh, inviting expressions of interest. And they haven't formally said that bit yet. But just to, sorry to waffle slightly, but just to uh, pull that back to what Formula One said, there's clearly a power battle going on between the FIA and Formula One. The FIA and Ben Suleim clearly are behind the Andretti Cadillac bid. They're like, yeah, this makes right. sense. We think they should come in. They've spoken about it. Michael's spoken to Mohammed about it. All good. Formula One are going, it's not just them. Like there's others interested. Right. We're not going to be told who we're accepting and who we're not. The teams want more money from anyone coming in to, to soften the blow of giving up some of their revenue. Uh, so you've got to get them all in agreement. And Formula One wanted to very firmly come out because the FIA were almost pushing this. Like Ben Salim's tweet clearly was preempting the Andretti mm. announcement. Formula One wanted to say, don't forget about us. We we have a say in this too. Right. It's not just down to the FIA to uh, make that decision. So that that statement that we were given from Formula One came out pre-embargo. So the press conference went on for half an hour. And at the end of the press conference, the embargo lifted with the news. Formula One put the statement out before being like, most of you now know if you're on this call, this is happening. Here's our official statement that you can't use until the news is official. You know, wh whenever that embargo lifts that you're now working to, 
then you can use this statement too. So they were aware, they, they knew what was coming and they were trying to kind of push back slightly. So, uh, and that's only grown with the comments today from Ben Salian being like, yeah, it's crazy that there's any negativity or any questioning going on. Because right. people are yeah. going, but you don't understand the business side of this. Teams are not happy that they're going to get $20 million each. They think that isn't going to cover the loss that they are going to give up in terms of revenues or potential sponsors or whatever by just opening the doors because the sport's doing so well. Uh, and again, as, as I'm sure Dave can remember, it, it's got to make sense for everybody because yeah, it's not like the NFL. If, if I ran an NFL team and just said, I want to join, I want to be the London NFL team, uh, let me in. The NFL and the teams have to agree to that too. It's not just because yeah. I get a load of support from the UK wanting to come in that I get to come in. So that's why there's this kind of power battle going on now. Yeah, I've watched that in the NFL for years and expansion teams, they call them, and they, uh, they, mm. all, they all go through that. So it is definitely... A, a big part of that. You know, one thing is that everybody keeps talking about the dilution fee, right? The $200 million fee that Andretti's going to have to pay, probably with the help of their friends at, at uh, Guggenheim. Uh, but I'm surprised that this hasn't been discussed raising it. I mean, the, the problem is, is that this rise in popularity has been unprecedented velocity upwards, right? I mean, it's been crazy how quickly... We have not seen a, a this rise, this level of rise in a, a major sport. I, I don't know ever. I mean, so it's just been crazy. So, but to me, that this is one thing that you could easily do. It's like to help ease this this tension between the teams. It's like okay, that two hundred dollar, two hundred million dollar non dilution fee that was come up with many years ago, right? Like four, three, four years ago. Now, you know, the the part of me that wants Andretti in doesn't want this fee to go any higher, but. I, I don't think it's a problem for for Andretti because I think they could get the sponsorship money to help cover all this. But wouldn't that be an interesting way to, to help help grease the skids is raise that fee? Yes, and that's exactly <laughs> what Formula 1 and the teams want. And um, When we say raise it, the figure I've had from sources <laughs> is about $500 million, half a billion dollars. Yeah, um, oh my God. That's what they want, so $50 million to each team. Um, and when you when you turn it around to $50 million to each team, you're like that's a big injection but that's also a big sponsorship deal for some of these like, i think red bull and oracle is about 50 million mm-hmm. um so it kind of then becomes a little bit more realistic when you see the value to each team but when you see it as a lump sum it's outrageous um what's interesting is stefano de Manicali came out about a year ago and said for the right partner for the right manufacturer for the right team i reckon that would get waived and that opens the door for someone like andretti to go what more do you want yeah. You've got GM yeah. coming in. You've got you've got a big racing name. We've got huge money from Group 1001 and Guggenheim, as you say, because Daniel Tauris, who's the CEO of that group, was on the call um, making the announcement. Like, the money behind it is serious. Uh, they're like, well, you know, what more do we need to do to be to tick all the boxes that you want? But similarly, because everyone knows there's that much money behind it, and the reason they want to come in is because they think it will grow and make them money in the future, as well as be great to be racing in. Uh, then they're saying, well, then buy your seat at the table. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think so. The, the current Concord only came into effect. It was 2020. It was signed, and it ran from 2021 to 2025. Um, and that shows exactly what you've just said, John. The speed of the growth that I think it is actually realistic that all the teams are like, "Well, oh, that number was too low," and that was only just over two years ago, two and a half years ago. But it, it means to 2025 that they're, they're kind of tied into that. That means next year they're going to be trying to sign a new one, 2024. They're oh, this... going to be having these negotiations again. So that's when it might all change. That's right. It's part of the Concord Agreement. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But but going back to what you just said, that they had the CEO of 1001 Group there, 
again, going back to the beginning of what I was talking about, that that Andretti brought a sledgehammer to this agreement, going, I'm bringing GM, I'm bringing this company that manages a third of a trillion dollar investment portfolio, you know, a trillion with a T, and and the Andretti name in racing, it's like, I used to, at the start of the show, Chris, you were like, you know, G, uh, FOM is saying there could be somebody bigger or better. Who could that possibly be, and what could they be bringing? That's the crazy, exciting thing, and it could happen, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we talked about Ford rumors, didn't we, earlier? Yeah. Um, we've mentioned Porsche that have kind of looked and not quite. That's the Volkswagen group. That's also huge. I mean, there's yeah. there are comparable, I'd say, uh, brands that have been clearly looking and showing a serious interest. Um, but I'd actually like to, if I put a question to Dave, but if you think back to doing it with Haas and doing it with Virgin and putting it together, could you have imagined to have been, in a sense, as lucky as if you were the team manager of an Andretti Cadillac with the money behind them and the brands behind them? <laughs> as a new entrant could you like surely that's a night and day difference to what you had to work with in, in the constraints you had yeah i mean uh, making me think there <laughs> but the uh, salivate the, it's quite interesting about the money but the virgin one you know not to mention too many figures i think i got 80 grand given to me in the december before we were starting to to buy some equipment um and then the, the house one was completely different um on a on another another level there was a budget that was done you know i spent a year doing a budget so the money was released in in the correct time to be able to build the trucks and then start employing people etc and and also the factory which happened to be the old virgin Russia factory that needed completely gutting and um you know putting the right equipment inside it but i think the um you know, you talk whether it's two hundred million or half a billion. You still, you still need the first years running up front, and then you also need about <laughs> fifty million to set the thing up. So you're talking, even if it's the two hundred million, you're you're just under half a, you know, just under half a billion to get going. Anyway, you know, before you before you um, turn a wheel on the crack. So it's huge amounts of money, but of course, you know, not maybe so to. To the likes of Cadillac and 1001, you know, it's um, they can afford to be at the table and, and play play properly. And again, if they get everything set up before uh, properly <clears throat> turned on, etc., before uh, before the, the start of the season, they stand a really good chance of doing well. But the figures are huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and does uh, Dave, in your experience, might Andretti? be able to reduce that, call it the, you know, the setup expense uh, to any degree, given that they are so experienced and involved in so many kinds of motorsports, are they likely to have the kind of equipment that they need to, to take up some of that slack? Granted, they don't do carbon fiber work and that sort of thing, but um, they're involved in so many different things that uh, I wonder if they're not, you know, one step into the process already. Yeah, I think there's there's not too much carryover, um, mm-hmm. in you know if any, you, you know the trucks have to be made in Europe, um, just because that's where they're used. Um, right. And again, the rest of the the championships done on air freight, so it's all basically a, a box that fits in a plane um, mm-hmm. type thing. Um, I mean, there is there is talk that the um, the other entry, which was the high tech entry. Um, that was really very quiet. In fact, it's based at Silverstone. 
has employed 40 or 50 people um, there with engineers and you know people leaving high-end teams like Red Bull and Mercedes going there to work you know so I'm wondering whether that is what Chris mentioned earlier whether that's the engineering side that they've kind of kicked into touch and and got going from from that point um, but in answer to your question Bob the the, the crossover just isn't there um, okay just trying to think back from the other two teams literally the engine stand you know we had to get the the drawings from Ferrari because you know the holes in the bottom of the engine that held held the engine on the trolley when you put it up to the car you know they were all secret so you couldn't have that bolt pattern um, even the you know all the all the uh, power equipment for the engines and gearbox I, I just I don't. I think you literally have to start with a clean piece of paper. You know, maybe mm -hmm. clothing they could carry over. That's about it, really. So. Wow. All right. Well, let's squeeze in our last quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. We are also going to hear some comments from an old buddy of yours, Bob Barsha from Lee Diffie. I, I want to read some comments from him. Listen to the Speed City back after these messages. All right. We're still live on YouTube. Dusto man, he called it right in the middle of when I was talking about that $200 million fee being raised. He said, that's the Concord, dude. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, what else? Anybody else on here? Nice little crowd on the a not a great time on Sunday, or not our normal time, I should say. We are going to go back to our normal Sunday night at 7 o'clock Austin time going forward most part. Jonathan Green's not with us because he is on the way to the Toyota Racing Series. Oh, no! Oh, mayhem! <laughs> exactly. He's down mayhem. there causing, causing mayhem. And it's going to be really interesting this year because some big changes in the Toyota Racing Series. They are now called, they are now part of the FR Regional Series. They are uh, FR Regional Oceana. And there are four Americans, including a young Austinite who has quietly made his way up the ladder and won some races, lots of podiums in uh, USF4. A guy named Ryan Sheehan, young man. I think he's, I think he just turned 17 or just turned 18. Uh, anyway, some some uh, American, Chloe Chambers. So four Americans in Toyota Racing Series. We'll be talking about that in uh, the subsequent weeks. Where's his first race? Uh, I know well, he's he, flying to Auckland, but. I, I don't know. You know, they compress it all into five weeks, and I, and they all yeah. are in New Zealand somewhere, so I don't even know. Yeah. He, he was Places like Tarotonga and what have you. Yeah, yeah. I know he's uh, he's literally on an airplane right now. I think he was going to have a layover in Los Angeles right about now and maybe try to call in, but I don't. Uh, I haven't seen him pop up on Zoom. So, so he's in Otago first, at Highlands Motorsport Park. Ah, oh, was that uh, right? Yeah, Cromwell. Um, that's the first one. Then Tarotonga's second. Uh -huh. And then Manfield, um, Hampton Downs, and Talpo to finish because I found Wikipedia. I was just going to say you. They're all, they're all right, here all we go. New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, when we went to break, I said that your buddy, Bob Varsha, Lee Diffie, uh, had some comments about this Andretti situation. And so he tweeted this morning after Mohammed bin Salim tweeted out about 
how there's been some adverse reaction to the Cadillac and Andretti news. So here's what Lee said. He said, for those who love and follow F1 will remember it wasn't that long ago that minnows like Caterham and Mauricio were in F1, Dave O'Neill. Uh, but there's been some adverse reaction to two legendary brands like Cadillac and Andretti. Whoever the opponents are to this concept have rocks in their heads. <laughs> and I think he's just echoing what we're saying. And, and going back to what Chris said, yes, that seems crazy that you could say no to them, but we just don't know who's lurking in the background. But, you know, Chris, you said, when you said it a while ago, you said it could be Ford, it could be Porsche, but the combination of Andretti and Cadillac, I mean, what combination? I just can't even think of one. If you, yes, Porsche, I thought, I thought Porsche and Andretti might team up. And I thought, what an amazing team. But I don't know who would team up. And I'm sure we could come up with some. But, but I certainly understand why Lee would have said that. I, I think there's got to be also um, kind of remembering that there's other brands might come in trying to partner with existing teams or even taking over existing teams. There's been mm -hmm. a lot of, I've heard from um, sources at Red Bull, there's been so many calls asking to take over Alpha Tauri from different teams. Um, and I don't believe they're really entertaining it, but it's just, you know, that interest exists. Now, anyone who's then trying to buy a team and finding they can't, and you know, when Dave went through those figures, then they might start going, okay, just like Michael did and tried to buy Sauber and it failed. How do we set up our own team? What would that look like? Uh, so that's that could be another reason why Formula One is going. There's there could be 10, 20, 30 potential interested parties, and you don't know which one that might actually land something or who well, they might partner with. So um, yeah, it's it's exciting actually. It, it, it's it's hard to find out, and some because the money's so serious, uh, yeah. that's why it doesn't always come out. Um, but it gives me something to try and chase, so it's fun. That that may be the simplest explanation of all is. Folks in Formula One are saying, wow, Andretti and Cadillac, and they're talking, however much money it is, we'll pay it. Well, let's go see who else might be in that same boat and get the best deal we can. Oh, secretly, I think they must love it. Even though they're making it seem like oh, F1's a little bit adverse to it, they're not. Right. They're, that, like, I mean, no. um, there was a quote from a source that, 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 that um, Ben Suleim had taken the bait because <laughs> he kind of had snapped at, at this, like, not opening of the arms. But it's because, like you say, they, this is the advertisement to every other team. Now Formula One can go, you want to you come to join? You've got to beat this. You've got to beat yeah. Andretti Cadillac and the money that's behind it. So yeah. if someone can, brilliant negotiating. But if they can't, what a great what a great team coming in. So um yeah. Right. It's all back position. Yeah. Exactly. What what a strong find position the, the sport's in. <laughs> Chris the prettiest girl at the dance. <laughs> Chris, uh, you are incredible. You've got a broken hand. You're live on the air with us right now, but you also had a story that popped up while we're on the air on, on racer.com, F1 riff growing as Ben Salim hits back at Andretti Cadillac reaction. You have been that did get filed a little bit ago, though. Uh, about a couple hours ago, yeah. I filed that, I'll admit. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. Well, I was concerned about that because, <laughs> you know, for just the reasons you probably detailed in that story, Ben Salim has sort of created this schism between himself and the folks at Liberty Media and the teams. Um, I wonder if he has a, a an ulterior motive in all of this or if he's genuinely, you know, taken aback by the fact that everybody didn't jump aboard. Uh, the whole Andretti Cadillac story. 
Yeah, I think it's a bit of a power battle where um, mm-hmm. Formula One has been doing a lot, lot of the negotiating and discussing with uh, OEMs that were looking to come in um, or talking them up. If you look at with the Audi entry, like Formula One itself then created an Audi show car and rolled it out into the press conference. And the FIA were kind of involved, but Ben Sullivan's trying to go, well, we, we run this sport. We get to choose what the rules are, how many people are racing. Like both both have a part to play so they're both right. trying to flex some muscle and say we, we we both get to help decide who comes in and who doesn't and ben Sullivan's trying to make it look like he's helped bring someone to the table which in a way he has um but at the end of the day whoever does get added and i, I feel like it's now almost certain that a team does get added because of the strength of interest surely mm-hmm. someone must take enough boxes um it will have to be a collaboration it, it will have to be that the fia approves it and formula one uh commercially can agree so um then they'll both be trying to like take the credit so it's just part of an ongoing war between both sides because since Ben Sullivan's come into power at the FIA he's been very uh hands-on involved and and likes to kind of show the work he's doing and show his influence on Mm -hmm. Formula One uh Formula One itself is pushing back against that a little bit at times so um yeah it's a return to those sorts of days where they're they're Mm. they're not quite at war but yeah they're they're not seeing eye to eye all the time Mm. yeah two words just popped into my head when we're talking about all this money who has it, who can find it, whatever. And those two words are live golf. Ah, wow. The Saudis dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the pockets of a few pro golfers. Well, maybe they'd like to get involved in Formula One. They have a track. They'll soon have a second track. Yeah, that's actually, that's a very interesting comment, Bob. I, I really haven't followed that closely as I should have, but that is interesting. Which OEM do they have? Um, you know, their hands in most as well, which would be quite interesting. Yeah, great point. Is that GM? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I know we're nearly there, but um, with Cadillac and Andretti, they are going to have to have a partner in order to get the car on the grid. You know, know, with wishbones, steering racks, fuel cells, battery, gearboxes, they have to partner. you know, there's no one, I don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but there's no one that can produce something like that in a year and a half um, that's reliable. Mm, that's a good point. That's we're, a good... we're losing Bob. Uh, one thing quickly to say as well, Andretti <laughs> and Cadillac did say they've they've signed an agreement. They've already got an agreement signed with a power unit supplier, um, yeah. an existing one, and then they try and evolve moving forward. But who that is, is still open to debate as well. Talk of Honda, talk of Renault slash Alpine. So, um, yeah, an interesting one for GM to have to do that as well. I know we had uh, we're out of time, but that it is a good discussion because Honda, you know, there was they mentioned last year uh, that Andretti, and now Honda is the obvious one. So anyway, we're out of time, guys. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and of course we'll be back next Sunday night. Talk to you then. Thanks everybody for coming on, Chris, Bob, Dave. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Night, everyone. Good yeah. Night. Good night, Chris.